You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Welcome. You are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyball.com. And I am joined, sort of, by my co-host, the editor of The Smoking Cuban. Isaac is on the road. He decided to do a solo pod where he talks about all kinds of things that's going on. So listen to Isaac talk about the Mavericks, Rick Carlisle. He also was featured on the Starters show, (laughs) their NBA show, their daily NBA show. One of his tweets was, uh, if you did not see the Kyle Anderson tweet, he goes into it. So listen to Isaac. It's great stuff. Here's my guy. What up, what up? This is Isaac. I am the co-host of Locked On Mavericks and the editor of The Smoking Cuban. I am actually by myself today. I am taking, giving Nick uh, a day off. Uh, Nick's a hardworking man. And I am actually on the road I am heading back home to Kentucky before I head out to Brazil with my wife. So I'll be taking a week off of covering the Mavericks uh, to head out of the country with my wife. So I'm super excited about that. But this is Lockdown Mavericks. And I just want to talk about a couple different things. Uh, A piece I did that is kind of transpired into more thoughts on my end um, that, that I anticipated or really what I was thinking of when I wrote it. And actually something that happened to me after the Spurs game uh, to for some uh, people on Twitter that followed me, uh, they saw uh, kind of some stuff that went down, so it was super fun with that. But uh, let's just start with the Spurs thing first. So Spurs thing happens. Uh, I go in the Spurs locker room after a game and talk to Pop about Dennis Smith Jr., uh, put out a piece about that about Pop saying how much he, uh, how much Dennis, um, how they he earned the respect that, that night. So that's kind of cool hearing Pop uh, praise Dennis Smith Jr. But talked to Pal Gasol uh, that night about playing against Dirk, what he thought about Dennis. Um, listened in on uh, on Aldridge, but I was trying to get Manu. Uh, he snuck out uh, before uh, media got in there, but. Anyway, one of the players I saw in the locker room that night was Kyle Anderson as he walked past me. Didn't think nothing of it. Um, previously during the game, I tweeted out a GIF, a video of the play with Salah Mezri and Kyle Anderson. And uh, if you missed the play, uh, Kyle Anderson came down with a rebound. Salah Mezri reached in. Uh, he was being over aggressive like Salah always is. Uh, reached in and... Uh, I think he actually hit the ball on this one. He kind of fouled him coming down the rebound. I'll give uh, Anderson that. But uh, Salah reached in, hit the ball. And as soon as he, he reached in, Kyle Anderson flailed his arms back and fell back on the floor um, like he just got punched or something. And, of course, they called the foul. And it was a m- massive flop uh, about Kyle, Kyle Anderson. Uh, got the call. Salah was not happy about it, obviously. Um as Salah is with anything really and uh, so I tweeted out the video uh, during the game or the gif and I just said hey you know nominee for flop of the year I nominate Kyle Anderson well 
head home that night like normal nick and i we record uh, locked on mavericks podcast uh, after every single game and we usually do it after we get home that night so we on a normal inside our lives on a normal game night we get home around 11 30 12 and re-record around midnight every night uh, so on game nights we go to sleep about 1 in the morning but anyway we get done recording and i check my phone i noticed my phone was having had a lot of notifications on it it's, it's like a you know different than normal i'm like what the crap you know a couple notifications here and there but this one i was like okay what happened so i click on it and kyle anderson had quote tweeted the gif that i i tweeted out during the game uh, i didn't tag him or anything so he had to search his name so he quote tweets uh, my the gif of me saying that it's the flop of the year and he quote tweets it with like a paragraph and he pretty much just i don't have it right in front of me uh as i'm driving down the road i just got out of nashville traffic uh which you've ever been to nashville tennessee um their traffic is it sucks sometimes but anyway um he quote tweets the tweet and he gives this paragraph explanation but the difference between flopping and selling so he says that he was selling and he's like you know there's a difference he reached in you know the man hit my arm you know i sold it and there's a difference between selling a foul and flopping i did what my dad taught me to do blah 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 um whatever it was a flop man like you want to own up to it or not i don't whatever you want to do um so that was interesting so as soon as he quote tweets that the flood of Spurs fans started just flowing into my mentions. And man, did I get the uh, choice words said to me, uh, words I cannot repeat on the podcast. Everything that you can imagine from Spurs fans to Mavericks fans, they were calling me, talking about me reporting and all this, what kind of media, F you, all this just Spurs fans coming out in full force so I was like okay well I guess if there's a fan base uh, to dislike me I guess it's the Spurs you know whatever that continued for literally onto the next day like that evening I was still opening up my phone and having 20 plus notifications of people tweeting at me whatever then this random Chinese um, YouTube star over in China decides to reply to it. it has like 2 million followers and basically taken up for Kyle Anderson I have no clue who the, who the guy was uh, but that brought in a lot of uh, I guess fans in China too uh, so yeah that was uh, an interesting um, an interesting day I guess so I go the, so the next day what makes it even funnier and why Mavericks Reddit, shout out to you guys. And some people were tweeting saying, man, this is a, you know, the feud right here. Kyle Anderson versus Isaac Harris. And it was funny. And I was like, it's really not that. A, it's not really not a feud, but whatever. I'm explaining it to my dad the next day on the phone. And I'm like, man, like, <laughs> look what happened. Told him the whole story. So I pull up my phone. I'm talking to my dad. I'm like, I'm going to send you the tweet that Kyle Anderson, you know, sent out. They quote tweet. So I go to Kyle Anderson's thing and it's gone. He deleted the tweet. I'm like, bro, you deleted the tweet. If you're going to come after me, if you're going to quote tweet something from a reporter and take up for your flopping and even though you're wrong, uh, don't delete the tweet, man. 
don't delete the tweet so he deleted it of course i tweeted back out tweeted back to him and said man you're deleting tweets kyle anderson so um had some fun with it whatever uh it would be super ironic if he got fined uh i don't know if i should feel bad like if he got fined or something because it you know did people retweeting and different stuff and he brought on his own attention to it so i don't know it was an interesting couple uh I guess 24 hours or something. Uh, I gave the other reporters at practice on, I guess, what today's Thursday. On Wednesday, uh, Earl K. Sneed uh, joked with me at practice. He's like, man, you pissed Dwayne Wade off one day, and now you got the Spurs fan base coming after you on the next day. And so uh, I gave them a good uh, a good laugh with that. But um, just the second half, I want to talk about a piece I did a while. Uh, I guess a couple days ago or last week it was about Nerlens Noel being the next interesting relationship uh, for Rick Carlisle and I did I did a lot of digging on this because now <laughs> these next few minutes it's going to seem like I'm coming after Rick Carlisle pretty hard and I'm not uh, which I kind of am but whatever with that Rick Carlisle is a I want to preface this with this Rick Carlisle is a genius uh, basketball mind he is a wizard um, he is X's and O's, like it's great. I mean, you can't you can't ask for a better basketball mind, uh, coaching, in-game adjustments, everything with that. But another side of coaching is personality, and Rick Carlisle um, doesn't have the best track record when it comes to personality, uh, from the organization on down to players to different things and uh, to media. And, uh, I mean, I have my own opinion of, of, of Rick Carlisle <clears throat> based off a media perspective. Um, but I understand that, you know, players, coaches, everybody treats media different. And I get that. And I would, too, if I was a player and coach and I had to talk to us all the time. That would get super annoying. So <clears throat> this whole Nerlens situation intrigues me because, you know, Nerlens is a laid-back guy. Nerlens has a different type of personality. Uh, Rick, obviously, is a different type of personality. And, there's obviously it has to be you know something's not adding up uh the fact that we offered you know Dallas offered Nerlens you know 70 million over the offseason and now Nerlens uh you know obviously it didn't work out he signs the one year qualifying offer and now Nerlens is <clears throat> playing this year on a one year expiring deal worth around 4 million so in a matter of you know a few months Nerlens goes from being offered 70 million he can barely log a single minute and now and he just got a, a a dn pcd the other night against cleveland it's always rick's always citing matchups you know that's why he's not playing because certain matchups and then he drops the quote uh with Salah Mejri about hey you know you got to earn minutes it's really that simple you got to earn minutes Salah has earned the minutes over him which i get because Salah has been playing really good so maybe look into uh, Rick's relationship with players because we obviously know the obvious. We know Rajon Rondo. We know how that um, turned out and everything like that. But I wanted to dig back even farther uh, to see if I could find anything about Rick's early coaching days. So we go back to the beginning of Detroit. So he takes on the Detroit Pistons in the early 2000s. And he coached them for two years, his first two years in the league. And he gets fired. And he gets fired and they bring on Larry Brown, the legendary coach Larry Brown. And I found this piece by David Aldridge 
and David Aldridge, the same David Aldridge reporter now, like legend reporter, had wrote this piece about Carlisle getting fired and how it's kind of unfair because he did a really good job at Detroit and stuff. But he also talked about the personal aspect of Rick Carlisle getting fired also. And he made a comment in the story of saying, I'll say this, there's, it'd be hard to find any Detroit players that were sad that Rick Carlisle got fired. And it's like, okay, like his first job in the league, that's, you know, his first two years in the league. I mean, first two coaching years in the league. Okay, you know, some Pistons didn't like him. Okay, whatever. So then he immediately goes to the Indiana Pacers, if you remember, in those Ron Artest years and all that stuff. So I look into stuff with that, and our friend Tim McMahon at ESPN, he had wrote a piece, and he was actually talking about some Dallas days, but it was a story kind of like what I'm talking about now and Rick Carlisle's personality and how hard it is to get along with him. And he mentions in that piece, and I, I cite it in my, in my story, that Rick had multiple confrontations with Ron Artest, Steven Jackson, Jamal Tinsley, those guys. So I'm like, okay, this is two jobs now. Like Detroit, then you got Indiana. Two places that, okay, if players weren't happy you left in Detroit, now you go to Indiana and you have confrontations with those guys. Okay, so now you're starting to gain a little track record now and with your personality, getting along with players, and then you go to Dallas. And throughout his years in Dallas, we see all these different examples. I mean, we're not even going to talk about you know, the different rumblings with Lamar Odom, Delonte West, Monte Ellis, you know, those, those type of guys. But we even go back to probably, and this is what some, some fans don't really know too much because it is kind of a a worst kept secret. Some is how much tension there was between Jason Kidd and Rick Carlisle. And some people you, you talk to the right people. Some say it was worse than Rondo. Except Kid's personality, it wasn't like Rondo, and Kid wouldn't express, it didn't come out like in the middle of a game like Rondo's did. He wouldn't express it sometimes like Rondo, but there are multiple stories that you hear from different people in the organization. It's like, man, they would get into it at a practice and they were different stuff. And, and I cite another Tim McMahon piece from ESPN talking about that relationship. And he talks about, he's like, man, like that started from the very beginning two alpha personalities and Jason Kidd, Rick Carlisle, Kidd wanted control, kind of what, you know, what happened with Rondo and stuff. And then you look at the situation and over time, uh, they had their headbutting moments. They had their, their times where it didn't work out. And, uh, but ultimately they came, you know, they, they reached a common ground and they said, Hey, we're going to, you know, try to work it out. Even though if we can't get along personally, and they end up winning the championship in 2011, obviously. So, but that's just, you know, that was one of the biggest ones. Then you got the Rondo situation. You got Chandler Parsons, where it's like the second day of training camp, and he's calling Ch- Chandler Parsons fat in a press conference, saying he's a little overweight and all this stuff. Then you talk about, and then there was a back and forth with that, with Parsons and him. Then you talk about Sam Dallenberg. People remember him in Dallas, where Rick Carlisle calls him out and says the same thing. He's a little overweight. They said that he called. Dallenberry out in front of the team and the media and then Dallenberry comes back and says no I was just hurt like that's why I'm not playing that well and now you add all of that stuff up and now you look at this Nerlens Noel situation and you say like is there and we don't know we the, there hasn't been a you know 
shouting match that's been reported. You haven't seen, you know, stuff as far as like you don't see Nerlens, you know, standing on the court, back talking Rick Carlisle, anything like that. You don't see that. But you can read between the lines and figure out that they're not where they would like to be on a relational standpoint either. And, and so it just makes you wonder if like Rick Carlisle is a genius. Rick Carlisle is a wizard. But what could the personality be better and how much of an impact does his type of alpha personality impact the team and impact um, other things and other things as in what I've had different conversations with just different reporters and just seeing what what people just thought about this take or whatever and it's because I never really hear it that much because we like to blame Cuban we like to blame you know Donnie Nelson or somebody like that but why doesn't Rick Carlisle ever get any blame for no free agents why doesn't the fact that we have an alpha personality like this as a head coach that has a track record for um having tension with players that not all players can get along with easily why doesn't he ever get any blame for maybe players not wanting to come play for him and i love rick to death as a basketball coach but you have to ask yourself that question you know cuban gets all the blame but you know players talk players talk with each other players if players thinking about signing somewhere you know they're talking to other players that have played for that coach and say hey what's it like to play for him and if that other player is saying, even if it's a player we don't even know about, saying, man, you don't want to play for that guy. He's super smart. He's great. But I don't know if you want to play for him. Why? It has to play some type of role. And I don't know. I mean, I'm just speculating at this point. This is something I just, you know, after doing research and just looking back at some just pat Rick's past jobs and stuff like that, just makes you wonder, am I saying he should be let go? Absolutely not. Am I saying he shouldn't be in Dallas? Absolutely not. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying I think Rick's personality is something that we just need to keep in mind. We need to keep in mind with how he gets along with certain players, young players, um, and players that are not like Harrison Barnes. Like that's why like why does Harrison Barnes and Rick Carlisle get along so much? Because Harrison Barnes is the most intellectual like politician. I'm your like let me re- let's read a book and play, you know, do a Rubik's cube together. Like that they can they are on that level and that and Rick Carlisle loves that and those type of players why you know Dwight Powell is known I'm pretty sure in the in the corner of the American Airlines Center there's a banner that says DP study hall you know Dwight Powell went to Stanford all this stuff like it's he connects really well with those type of players but what about players that's not like that and so you just it's just something to keep in mind and something to just keep in the back of your head whenever you're evaluating uh, a player's tenure in a city. Uh, whenever you're looking at the Nerlens Noel situation and people are saying, why isn't he playing? Why isn't it working out? And just all that stuff to keep that, how Rick connects with players and the history of that uh, in the back of your head. Lastly, the very last thing I just want to barely touch on is at practice on, I guess, Wednesday, we got a chance to talk to Maxi Kleber. And Maxi had some big minutes against the Spurs uh, the night before. Caught a body, had a massive dunk uh, driving the lane, had a big swat. 
just uh, put up some good minutes, blog some second half minutes also. And but he spent some he spent some time after practice with Rick Carlisle to where they were working on a shot going around the arc. And Rick was even you can even see the video I, I tweeted out on Smoking Cube and Rick's videotaping him with his phone, and he's like taping Maxi Kleber and then he shooting the basketball and then after Maxi would finish shooting he would go up to him and play the video on his phone so Maxi could see a certain type of form and so he was working with him as far as how he's releasing the ball and working with his legs too and this is just another thing too that sometimes we might forget of players like Maxi that come over from Europe that the adjustment of the three-point line and so we talked to Maxi after practice and Maxi was talking about you know, it's it's almost a whole different shot for him because there is, you know, in Europe the, the three point line shorter than it is in the NBA. So he's having to use his legs a lot more. So when you're coming into these shots, you know, Maxi has kind of a set shot anyway, but he's like, I'm having to use a lot more of my legs. I'm having to step into a shot sometimes. And he start, he, he just talked about how that is an adjustment. That's the he said that's the biggest adjustment for him. Um, so far in an area he needs to improve on so far uh, or moving forward is that three-pointer and he talked about you know how Rick's just been in the league so long that he is spending the time to help him and I know before the season I was looking at saying you know I want to monitor Finney Smith versus Dwight Powell minutes and now I really want to monitor Maxi Kleber versus Dwight Powell and how that plays out and I mean you guys know how I feel about it and what I, what I who I think should be playing, but um, that's just something you know just to look look at going forward. I did ask Maxi, what position do you feel the most comfortable playing, the four or the five? And uh, he said pretty straight up the four. That's what he's been used to playing. It's what he has played in his life. So uh, that's where he feels the most comfortable. So I know it's a weird pod not having Nick. Uh, I know it's only twenty minutes of me just talking. If you didn't like it, whatever. Uh, if Kyle Anderson's listen, whatever, bro. Don't stop deleting tweets. Uh, but anyway, thanks for all the feedback. Thanks for our, our loyal listeners, man. Y'all support Nick and I uh, so much. It's been fun this season. It's been fun. Uh, we look forward to moving forward and uh, doing this pod and on a daily basis. But I'm gonna kick it back to Nick. You should hear from Nick and I really soon. If not. Um, I will be gone out of the country, like I said, and I look forward to getting back talking Mavs and hearing everything that happened uh, while I'm gone. Hopefully the Mavs can get a win or two. Unless you're a tanking fan and you don't want wins, whatever. Peace out. Boom.